We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cast. Good morning. Survivors of sexual assault can have symptoms that range from post-traumatic stress disorder to gastrointestinal or cardiovascular problems and more. Finding the courage to seek treatment can sometimes be the biggest deterrent to getting help. In a few minutes, we'll hear from two military veterans who have developed great fortitude in overcoming their trauma and use it to encourage others to find the help they need. You are not alone. We are here to support you, to walk with you, to journey alongside of you. We will stand in the dark with you. They receive treatment from the Veterans Affairs Maryland Healthcare System, which is working to remove barriers for those seeking help. Here to tell us about it is Dr. Christine Kalmus. She's a clinical psychologist who coordinates the Military Sexual Trauma, or MST, program. Welcome to On the Record, Dr. Kalmus. Thank you for having me. What are the criteria for diagnosing surviving military sexual assault? Well, military sexual assault is not a diagnosis, but rather an experience which the VA defines as sexual activity during military service when someone was involved against his or her will, such as if they were pressured into sexual activities with threats of consequences or promises of promotions, it could be if they were unable to consent to sexual acti activities or physically forced to participate. Military sexual trauma also may include unwanted sexual touching, threatening offensive remarks about a person's body, or unwanted sexual advances. Well, how prevalent is sexual assault in the military? Mm -hmm. When asked by VA staff, one in three women and one in 50 men report the experience of MST. One in three women, one in 50 men. Mm-hmm. So even though it's much more prevalent among women, when we look at the overall numbers of veterans with MST in VA, it's about 40% men because there's so many more men in uh -huh. the military. What we know is that veterans from all different eras report the experience of MST and that rates have, are pretty steady. So we're not seeing a decline as we might hope. Okay, there's not a decline. How confident are you in the reporting? I would guess that it's an underreport. Every veteran is screened for the experience of MST. They're asked. Yes, they're asked about it. And that is primarily because the VA offers services free of charge that are related to conditions that the veteran may have developed following their experience of MST. However, what we know is that many veterans may initially deny MST when asked by a provider that they don't know that well, but then later report the experience when they develop a relationship with a provider. Hmm. And this attention to MST is available even to some veterans who might not be eligible for other treatments? Yes, yes. So there are length of service requirements and income requirements for services within the VA. However, 
Even veterans who may not qualify for services otherwise may be eligible for services related to their experience of MST. That would include maybe some physical health conditions, but many mental health and substance use conditions would be related to their experience of MST, and therefore they would be eligible for treatment free of charge. And why does the VA put this special emphasis on treatment for MST? The VA understands that this is a real problem in the military, and it's not something that service members signed up to experience. It wasn't part of of the deal. for sure. Similar to combat. You know, it's understood when someone goes into the military, they may be deployed. However, this is not expected. And the definition of MST is really pretty broad. We don't require any documentation. There's no time length requirements. For instance, people don't have to have reported the MST at all. They, if they report, yes, I experienced that, they are eligible for treatment free of charge. So what does treatment consist of? VA offers a number of evidence-based psychotherapies for mental health conditions that are really common after MST. Evidence-based therapies for PTSD are cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, and eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. For depression, we offer cognitive behavioral therapy and interpersonal psychotherapy. For substance use disorders, motivational enhancement and cognitive behavioral therapy. We also offer support groups for military sexual trauma, couples therapy, and other adjunctive services for vocational or housing concerns that may be the result of MST. And and how long is a veteran eligible for treatment for MST? They are eligible indefinitely. There is no time limit. How can veterans with MST begin to access services? The veterans should ensure that they're enrolled in VA Maryland Healthcare System And then they can contact me directly, and I will ensure that they are connected with mental health services that would be best suited for their needs. And we will put that contact information on our website. Thank you for telling us about this. Thank you for having me. Dr. Christine Kalmus runs the Military Sexual Trauma Treatment Program for the Veterans Affairs Maryland Healthcare System. At the On the Record page, we have a link to how to sign up for VA care and to Dr. Kalmus's phone number, 410-637-1231, 410-637-1231. Short break on the record. When we're back, we'll hear from two women who have overcome their trauma and used their strength to help others heal. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us.
Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking today about the prevalence of sexual assault in the U.S. military, the trauma that follows, and how the Veterans Affairs Maryland healthcare system supports and treats those hurting from it. We just heard from the treatment director, and now I'm joined by two veterans to talk about their experiences. Please note there may be references to sexual assault and suicide in our conversation. Paula Smith-Benson, Doctor of Management, is a retired Air Force major and a peer specialist with the Maryland VA Healthcare System. Welcome to the show, Paula. Thank you so much for having me. And also with us is Erica Carpenter, retired U.S. Army Sergeant. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you for having me. Paula, first tell us briefly about where you served and in what capacities. So I served as a nurse corps officer um, from 1989 until 2009, served all over the world to include tours in Japan, uh, Germany, and all throughout the United States. And Erica, what about you? I um, went in in 1988 and from 1988 to 1992, I was a medical supply specialist. I also during that time served in Operation Desert Storm. I um, then got out of the military. I went back in three years later, and I reclassed as a supply technician and then went to school to become a generator mechanic and a surveillance airplane maintainer until until 2008 when I retired. And I served in Iraq during that time as well. Erica, where were you in your military career when you experienced sexual assault? I actually had just completed my initial basic basic training, and I had moved on to what we call AIT, which is Advanced Individual Training. It's where I went to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, to learn how to become a medical supply specialist. So it was around 1988. And was it someone who outranked you, or what happened? Yes, it was. At the schooling that I went to, there were all ranks there. We served, you know, we all went to school together. Um, And it was by two NCOs that was currently serving in the military. It just happened to be we were, I was going to a party um, for the first time. Paula, what about you? When did it happen? So it happened about midway um, in my career. And was, again, was it somebody who outranked you? No, it actually wasn't anyone that outranked me. And um, military sexual trauma is actually a full spectrum of experiences. So I also experienced incidents of sexual harassment as well as sexual assault. And Paula, how did you keep going and, and uphold your duties? Well, what really kept me together was my family as well as the mission. One of our core um, core values in the Air Force is service before self. So I adopted that and continued to carry on until retirement. It was an extremely heavy burden. It, it sounds like you weren't letting yourself heal from it. I was not allowing myself to even acknowledge the experience. So I compartmentalized the experience and just carried on with the things that I needed to do, you know, as an officer. My responsibility was to lead and guide and direct. So military sexual assault was not part of what I expected. 
And for me, it was more like friendly fire because we consider ourselves a family uh-huh. in the military. Erica, what about you? You're, you were assaulted so early in your service. Yes. How did you keep going? Yes, I was 17 years old. Um, I wasn't even old enough to go into the military without having my grandparents sign for me. Um, I was still a virgin at the time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that I think one of the biggest regrets I have is not reporting it. But what kept me going was I was just determined not to let them like have complete control over every aspe- aspect of my life for from that moment to forever, basically. Um, I'm not going to say that I didn't have challenges along the way because I absolutely did. Um, when I got to my duty station, I acted out. I probably was the biggest problem child soldier um, that existed on Fort Eustis at that, mo- at that time because I hadn't dealt with what I had gone through. I, in my mind, felt like it was my fault. Oh. And I thought that if I could just ignore it away, it would it never happened and I could just go on with my life. But that's just not what happened. It absolutely changed my perspective on the world itself because I was naive to the world. I was gullible. I had no idea that there were bad and mean people out there that would do such harmful things. Um, so it opened my eyes to the reality of what the world really is and what people can exist in it. That's Erica Carpenter, retired U.S. Army sergeant, on the record on WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast. Also here is Paula Smith Benson, doctor of management, a retired Air Force major, and a peer specialist with the Maryland VA healthcare system. We're talking about their experiences with the military sexual trauma treatment program at the Maryland VA. Paula, what has been the most helpful part of the treatment you received through the Maryland VA? The most helpful part of the treatment was just the acknowledgement that a problem existed. And from the moment I walked through the door, there was immediate validation because I was screened and someone asked the question, have you ever experienced military sexual assault? So at that point, it indicated to me that I was in an environment that was safe, that was open, welcoming, and that I was not alone because I knew that it was a screening question. And the providers, the staff, all of the staff was just very receptive. Uh, There was a level of sensitivity. It was a place where I could actually breathe and be my authentic self. There was no judgment in terms of the experience. And we all experience different things. MST or military sexual trauma is an experience. So I wasn't treated in a cookie cutter manner. I was given very person-centered and individualized care to meet my needs and to set my own recovery goals and work towards achieving those things. Erica, let me ask you the same question. What has been the most helpful part of the treatment you've received at Maryland VA Healthcare? Giving me a sense of awareness because when I got out of the military, the first time I got sexually assaulted again by a veteran as well. And I had no idea how 
it had truly affected me until I didn't realize that I had basically had a nervous breakdown. I was sleeping outside underneath the trees at a school. I couldn't interact with um, individuals like any authoritative figures. I couldn't interact with my grandfather who raised me because he was a man. So I wouldn't stay in the house. I slept outside. Um, And I just happened to go to the VA because I was experiencing pain, not Physical pain. Physical pain. I was experiencing physical pain. And when I went to the emergency room, they began to ask me a series of questions like, what's your name or who's the president? I don't know. Um, What year is this? I'm not sure. When's your birthday? I can't remember. Um, And they said, well, you know, we're going to, do you mind if we just keep you for some further evaluation? I had no idea what the evaluation was about. At that time, I was... I became an inpatient on the um, mental health ward. And um, it was then that I began to acknowledge and face and deal with and accept treatment for what I had experienced. So, I mean, it was them. the best care I can say is them making me aware of the trauma that I had really experienced because I was oblivious to the fact that it had caused trauma. But you had attempted suicide at one point. Right? I did while I was in, while I was still on active duty. I attempted suicide once then, and another time to, I had two attempts. Um, while 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 I was on active duty, I ended up at my first sergeant's office. I don't know how I got there. I just knew I picked up a five-ton truck and drove it, <laughs> and I ended up in his office, and I began to fall asleep in his office and I want to say that you know people are placed in your life for strategically for such a time you know as that or what you may need in that moment because my commander was actually from I mean went to college in Baltimore he graduated from Morgan State University my commander did at the time and the first sergeant you know he was friends with my mom and I just he took special care in making sure that I got to the emergency room and got the care and the treatment that I needed, even in that moment while I was on active duty. So, and the second time I attempted, um, I had an intervention, I would like to say, because in the moment that I had put the gun to my head um, and I went to pull the trigger, my mom, I call her my mom, she's my spiritual mom, but she's been my mom my entire life. She called me in that moment at one o'clock in the morning and said, God said, not so. God said, not so. Yes. And you put the gun down. And I put the gun down. Paula, you also attempted that, right? Yes, I also attempted suicide around 2014. And the reasons were, interestingly enough, I never wanted to die I just didn't want to continue to live like that. I was in so much emotional and psychological pain. I was experiencing a level of hopelessness and despair because even with all of the evidence-based treatments and medications and support, I had an expectation that I would get better. I didn't understand that mental health recovery is not a linear process. So my expectation, I would take the medication, I would go through therapy, and then I'd be fixed. I'd be all better. 
but I did not understand that at the time. So I felt like I failed, like I could not win against this pain and discomfort. There is such a stigma related to mental health challenges or mental illness. And that stigma for me, in my experience, caused a lot of secrecy. So the things that I'm disclosing and speaking with today, at that time, I had not found my voice. The MST took my voice away and my choices were taken away. My boundaries were obliterated during the incident. So a part of me was dead and alive at the same time. And I did not want to live. My children kept me alive while I was in the military. I focused on taking care of them. But once they began to grow up, go to college, the mission was complete in the military. The mission was the scaffold that kept me together. I could no longer serve as a nurse. I could not work as a nurse midwife. So my profession was gone. I was now considered disabled and I'd worked all of my life. So just really having a hard time finding my way, feeling like I didn't have a purpose, feeling like I didn't matter, feeling like I was damaged and broken beyond repair. And as a consequence of that, I wanted to end my life. But I'm so thankful that it did not work. About one in 20 to 22 veterans choose to resort to suicide every day. So this is a national uh, crisis. And for women veterans, military sexual trauma is a part of many of the experiences when I talk to other survivors of a suicide attempt. And that is the one thing that many of us have in common. Erica, what do you most want listeners to understand about your experience? What I want listeners to understand the most is that it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to get treatment. It's okay to acknowledge what happened to you. It's okay to take medication. And I want them to understand that it's not a quick fix. It is treatment forever. It's for the because you're always going to have challenges and things may come up that may trigger you. And it's but you can get over it. You can get well, you don't really get over it, but you can get through it at least um, and understand that there is still hope because there is help. Um, You can still love. You can still trust. You can still have a normal life with that experience and take that experience and allow it to fuel your future. Paula, same question. What do you most want listeners to understand about your experience? What I want listeners to understand is that without the help of the Veterans Health Administration, and particularly the VA Maryland healthcare system, I would not be alive today. I would not be here. The VA healthcare system has saved my life. So what I want listeners to know is that only about one third of female veterans come into the VA for help. 
So what I want people to know is come on in, come through the doors. You are not alone. We are here to support you, to walk with you, to journey alongside of you. We will stand in the dark with you. The Veterans Health Administration is the only healthcare system that provides specific services for military sexual trauma. They take care of your whole person. So please come in. Services are free of charge as a survivor, and there are other survivors in the building, and recovery is absolutely possible. Absolutely. I'm so grateful to you for sharing so deeply. Thank you. Thank you for having You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Erica Carpenter was a sergeant in the U.S. Army. Paula Smith Benson, doctor of management, was a major in the U.S. Air Force. She's also a peer specialist with the Maryland VA healthcare system. We've been talking about their experiences with the Military Sexual Trauma Treatment Program at the Maryland VA. We have more information about it at the On the Record page at wypr.org. To reach the Veterans Crisis Line, call 988 and press Option 1. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 988, Option 1. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. Thank you.